A Biblical Theology of Heaven's Hope, on this edition of Truth in Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth in Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions for the problems that people face. And this week, I am delighted to have with us Dr. Jim Hamilton on the podcast, and he is teaching pastor at Kenwood Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. He also serves uh, as a professor of biblical theology at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, also there in Louisville. Many of you may know him from that ministry as well. He's written a small book that I think would be helpful for you on the topic of biblical theology. Uh, I would encourage you to, to get that and to read that. Uh, it may be even helpful for some a bit of our conversation today. As I was talking with Dr. Hamilton, one of the key things that I think is so important uh, as we move into this topic, thinking about heaven's hope and taking all that the Bible has to bear on uh, what we long for and look forward to, so often today in counseling, we're tempted to, um, to look for immediate and imminent uh, fixes for all the things that ail us with our, our human suffering. And Dr. Hamilton, I think it's so important for us uh, to not forget the dominant theme in Scripture that we see, that we're longing for a city that's to come. We're awaiting a time when all that has caused the suffering that we endure, where, where Jesus, because of his overcoming uh, death and resurrection, uh, he will wipe all of that curse away. And we long for that. Before we get into talking about heaven's hope, I think it's important as we wed these two things together, uh, maybe give us a brief definition of what are we talking about when we speak about biblical theology? Well, thanks for that. I like to define uh, biblical theology as the attempt to understand and embrace the interpretive perspective of the biblical authors. Hmm. Another way to say that is we're trying to understand the worldview of the biblical authors, and then we're trying to embrace that worldview as our own. Mm. And then, of course, the big worldview questions, what is this place? Mm. Where did it come from? Yeah. Who are we? Mm-hmm. What's gone wrong? What's God done to fix what's gone wrong? Mm. And then how is everything going to turn out in the end? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, those, those are going to inform our understanding of the interpretive perspective or the worldview of the biblical authors. So we're, we're trying to get our arms around the Bible's big story, yeah. and then the truths the truths and the symbols and the patterns in that story and yeah. all of that. Well, it's so interesting that you would, you would even construct it that way, and I think that's so important because, uh, oddly enough, if you look at any counseling psychology, hmm. they're trying to answer the same questions. Hmm. They're trying to describe a worldview of people, how the world got here, why a person has a certain problem, and then they're describing how to fix it. Mm-hmm. And really, that is the narrative of biblical theology, mm-hmm. isn't it? It is. As we think about people and what God has given us. Uh, now, if we were to, to, to wed these two things together, the importance of biblical theology and as we think about heaven's hope, describe a biblical theology just in brief of, of heaven's hope and why we long for heaven, why that's a glorious promise and thought. So I think that someone said um, eschatology is protology. So mm. if eschatology is the study of, of end things, last things, protology is the study of the beginnings. Mm. And so if eschatology is protology, then really what, what's being said there is the way that things were at the beginning. So we can think of the very good creation, mm. the presence of God, no sin, yeah. no corruption in the human heart. We're going to have all that, but it's go- going to be better mm. now because of what God has brought us through. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one way to, 
to come at it. Yeah, that's one way to come at it for sure. And as we think about heaven and the way we long for heaven, um, sometimes we think about heaven as just a, it's a place where, um, you know, I won't cry anymore. It's a place where uh, I won't have to endure uh, being poor anymore. I won't have to endure maybe some of the, the difficulties that we experience in life. Uh, if we were to describe heaven, uh, what is for the Christian the beauty of, of longing for something like what's promised uh, in terms of heaven? Well, I think what you just said is the key thing, that we need to long for what's promised, Mm. and we need to retrain our hearts so that what we desire is actually what God says he's going to give us. Mm -hmm. Often we find ourselves desiring things that God has not promised to us. Mm. And the reality is, so yesterday... We came down here to Memphis, and we went to the Memphis Grizzlies exhibition game, preseason mm. exhibition game, and it was Ja Morant's very first NBA game. Mm. And my buddy and I were sitting in the in the stands watching him, and he says to me, I wonder what they're paying him. Mm. And I said, well, let's look up his contract. Mm-hmm. And so I look up his contract. The Memphis Grizzlies are paying this guy over $7 million a year. Wow. This kid just turned 20 years old mm. this past August. So he's barely 20 years old. And he's making almost a million dollars a month. Mm. I mean, if you just divide seven million by twelve, you know, it's yeah. like seven hundred thousand dollars a month that yeah. this guy's making. And he's living in Memphis, Tennessee. Mm. And and so so often our flesh hears that, mm-hmm. and I think, oh, I'd love to have seven hundred thousand dollars sure. a month. That's what sure. I think. And and then and then my mind, I can feel my mind start to say, what could I do to become a millionaire? <laughs> he's a twenty. He's twenty years old. and He's already a millionaire. How can I get to be a millionaire? Mm. You know, but it's like instinctively we start thinking, if I had all this money and if I had all this access to luxury and if I could mm. do all of these things, when in reality, the truth about John Morant, and this is true about anybody, mm. if he does not walk with God, yeah. If he does not have stable relationships mm-hmm. with people that actually care about him, not for what his money can do for him, for mm-hmm. them, but who care about what's good for him mm-hmm. and who are really going to make sacrifices for him. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't have what the Bible describes as the good life, mm-hmm. he can have all the money in the world and he's he, he's going to be singing that U2 song, mm-hmm. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. That's right. And it's just going to be this insatiable quest. Mm-hmm. So the... Heaven's hope is about is it's about what God has actually said He's going to do, mm-hmm. and and the key part of all of that is the dwelling of God will be with man, yes. and they will see His face. Mm-hmm. That's going to be that's really what's going to satisfy us, yeah. and nothing else will. Yeah, even as you describe that story, I think of Jesus's uh, prime question. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his own soul? And one of the things that I, I see happen in daily life through our experiences is we experience the emptiness of us pursuing the hope mm. in the world, mm-hmm. the temporal things. And and that's a part of where many counseling problems arise. And so uh, helping us to take a step back to reorient us uh, to what is the good life in the scriptures. I think that's critical. Now, as a pastor, you encounter all sorts of people and you encounter uh, in pastoring, shepherding people as they're progressing in sanctification. Uh, They're certainly not perfected yet. And we struggle in many ways. The Bible makes that very clear. How do we take the truths that you were talking about, the the beautiful promises that God has given in what's to come, teaching people through suffering to learn to be patient, to learn to wait, to learn to hope in the things that God has properly promised to us. As a pastor, how do you approach people and take all the the beauty that you know of the the riches of the theological doctrine and really bring that on a level to help them to to long for heaven appropriately. 
Well, there's so many factors that go into that. Mm-hmm. And, and a, a lot of it comes down to who is the person that you're dealing with mm-hmm. and what's your relationship like with this person. But let's just assume that, that we're dealing with someone who is part of, part of my congregation, part of mm-hmm. the congregation that I help lead, and who's trying to walk with the Lord and they're in a, some form of difficulty. Mm-hmm. I think it can be useful just to go over what we know together mm-hmm. and, and to, to restate, you know, assuming the circumstances are appropriate, mm-hmm. um, God created the world altogether good. Mm-hmm. And when God, when God made the Garden of Eden and put the man and the woman there, mm-hmm. it was all good and there was no sorrow and mm-hmm. there was no deformity. Mm-hmm. There, was no, there were no birth defects. Mm-hmm. There were no cancers. Mm-hmm. There were no wicked desires in people's hearts. And then human sin unleashed, it, it really, it, if you want to put it this way, opened Pandora's box. Mm-hmm. And God has promised that he's going to set all things right. Mm-hmm. And we're waiting on the day when he does. And we're longing for the day when he, he will indeed wipe away tears from all faces. Mm-hmm. So my friend Denny Burke preached at our church yesterday. Mm-hmm. I was coming down here for this and, mm-hmm. and he preached at our church and he actually preached on 1 Corinthians 15, mm-hmm. 50 to 58. And he was talking about how the sting of death is sin yep. and how God is going to swallow up death forever. Mm. And he he was talking about the way that the Bible says that the Lord is going to wipe away tears from every face. He's going to wipe away the tears. Mm. Uh, the tears will be no more when God is done with everything. And then he observed, he said, you know, you, you don't typically let people get close enough to you that they can put their hands on your face mm. to wipe away tears. Mm. And then he, he sort of began to go through the kinds of people who actually have access to you to do this. Mm. He said, you know, your mother could do this mm. and, and maybe, maybe a sister, if you're a man, maybe your sister could do this or maybe your wife. Mm. And, then, and then he said, or your father. Mm. And the Bible is telling us that God is our father mm. and that he's a good father and that he's going to take away all of the sources of pain, all of the things that cause tears, mm-hmm. and then that he is going to wipe away those tears. Mm. And I love this line in, in the novel Gilead by Marilyn Robinson, mm. where um, she has this, her character, his name is John Ames, and he's this aged pastor, and he says something to the effect of, um, the Bible says that God is going to wipe away every tear, and it's a good thing that he does because mm. nothing else will suffice. Mm. That's what we need. Yeah. And, and so the Bible is telling us that the Lord is going to do for us what we want him and what we need him to do for us. You know, it's an interesting statement uh, that Jesus will wipe away every tear. But what that also means is that it's, it's the implication that says that through this life, there are going to be a lot of reasons mm-hmm. to cry. That's right. There are going to be a lot of difficulties. And, and I think that's a part of uh, the expectation that we build in churches, part of the reason maybe we minimize the hope of what's to come is we act as like here, we shouldn't have much suffering. Mm-hmm. Life should be happy. Things should be good. We shouldn't be dealing with all this trouble and struggle and difficulty. But in reality, uh, the fact that it's a beautiful thing that Jesus will wipe away tears tells us something about the world that we're living in now. It's mm-hmm. broken. That's right. Uh, it needs to be redeemed in That's full. Right. And so that's the beauty of, that's a part of the beauty I think we're getting at Mm. uh, as we think about heaven's hope. Mm -hmm. And you know, often I think that we, if we're strong and healthy and we're not, maybe our circumstances are pretty good, it can be hard for us to relate to Mm. maybe people who are doubting or who are cast down in soul. Mm -hmm. But then it really doesn't take much for us to 
get to a place where we're ready to mm-hmm. uh, call God, God into question ourselves. Yeah. I've related very easily to a friend of mine. He recently fell off a ladder and he landed hard on his foot. And he said when he, when his foot hit the ground, he said he thought he had shattered all the bones from mm. his foot up to his knee. Now it turned out it's just a, just a severe bruise. Mm. So no broken bones. Um, but he talked about how as he, as he, as the thought occurred to him, I could be crippled mm. for the rest of my life. In his soul, he just felt revolt mm. against what the Lord might be doing to him. Mm. And that's easy for me to relate. You know, if you if you touch my health or you touch my... Yeah. If, if the Lord starts taking us through what Job went through, mm. um, we're, we're going to be tempted pretty right. severely. And the Bible depicts those kinds of things. Yeah. And then the Bible gives us resources for dealing with that kind of sorrow and question mm-hmm. and helping us to work through those issues. Yeah. I want to ask you one more question, Jim. I think in your in your role as a pastor, you're preaching the word, trying to diligently and faithfully proclaim God's word. I, this is always important to me. In counseling, so many times we, we think about dealing with the problem after the fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, in preaching ministry, I think it's imperative, uh, as we encourage pastors to preach faithfully the word, you're actually doing something in in really pre-counseling. Mm-hmm. You're preparing uh, the hearts of people as we know they will endure difficulty and suffering. Mm. Talk for a second just uh, as a pastor what that means to prepare. And I would encourage our people um, as well. This is the importance of you sitting under mm. strong biblical preaching week after week. It does something to prepare the heart for moments that, that need counseling, mm. that need um, that need care, that mm. need hope. Uh, and so talk about, as a pastor, the importance of preaching, preparing your people's hearts, knowing that they're going to walk through difficulty in this world. I think the best way to get at this is simply to preach the whole counsel of God. Mm. And when I say preach the whole counsel of God, I'm really talking about uh, preaching continuously, verse by verse, mm-hmm. through books of the Bible. Yeah. Because what that's going to do is it's going to it's going to make you deal with every statement in the text. Yeah. And I can remember a time when I was sitting under Tom Schreiner's preaching mm. and we were coming up on the parables. I think it was the Gospel of Mark, it might have been Luke. Mm. But it's one of these places where the disciples come to Jesus and their attitude is, "Why are you talking to them? Mm. They are not getting this. Mm. Why are you talking this way to them? You know, why are you teaching them in parables? Mm. Like they know better than Jesus, <laughs> you know? And, um, and Jesus says to them in response to you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven mm. to them. It has not been given. Yeah. And I can remember thinking to myself, how is Dr. Schreiner going to navigate mm. these difficult issues? Mm. And he just preached the text. Yeah. He just boldly said, God gives some things to some people that he does not give to other people. Mm-hmm. And and it was that way consistently where if we come upon a statement that indicates that God is sovereign over, over all things, mm-hmm. he states plainly that God is sovereign over all things. And, and that approach to preaching and that understanding of the scriptures, it sets people up to to have experiences like the one that, that John Piper described mm. years and years ago. He, he talked about how he was, he was visiting a couple from his church in the hospital, and they had, I think, if I remember the details correctly, mm. they had just had a baby born who, it was, look, it was not clear whether or not the baby was going to live. Mm. And the father 
put his hand on John Piper and said, John, would you pray that God would be glorified mm. in our baby's life? Mm. And Piper described this. I, I remember this phrase. He said, in one of those precious pastoral moments, mm. he said, you know, the, the dad had his hand on Piper's hand and the mom put her hand on top of both their hands. Mm. And she looked at, at her husband and she said, God will be glorified mm. either way. Yeah. And it's an understanding that God is God mm. and that everything that he does is right. And that though we, we don't understand all of his purposes, you, you know, there's that great line in Cooper's hymn that says, behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. That's right. It's that it's that kind of it's that whole counsel of God preaching that goes book by book through every or verse by verse through every book of the Bible mm -hmm. that really equips people to know the heart of God. Mm -hmm. You know that's so important. It, it and you don't get outcomes like that through uh, trite statements. That's right. Through topical meandering through different issues of life, giving ten steps to this and that. That's something that happens as a heart encounters the beauty of the word, mm -hmm. uh, the difficulty sometimes of the word, but the, the, the beauty of the character and the nature of the God that we serve. And, a, and an appropriate response in a difficult situation is we're going to honor the Lord. We're going right. to honor him. And that's the beauty of faithful preaching. It prepares your people to go through difficulty, which the Bible promises will happen. Uh, Jim, this has been a helpful conversation, I think, as we really try to utilize the beauty of what God's given us to, to turn our hearts toward what's to come, mm -hmm. the promises that he has so faithfully given. And, and why would he not do them? He's mm -hmm. proven himself uh, in, in ways in the past. And uh, what he has said, he will accomplish. What he has uh, foretold will come to pass. And we long for that day. Thank you for sharing about biblical theology and heaven's hope. My pleasure. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. Now, if you notice, Jim was mentioning his time here in Memphis, and we have just completed our pre-conference and annual conference in October of 2019. And I want to mention the value of the pre-conference. We have talked about uh, human suffering and heaven's hope at great length, five plenary sessions that we've spoken about this topic, and we've really tried to anchor ourselves in the beauty uh, not trying to dismiss suffering. We acknowledge it. We embrace it as something that God says will happen in a cursed world. But we also notice that God pushes us in the direction by his word of what's to come, the beauty of Christ by overcoming sin and all of its power, that Christ will reign supreme and he will make, Revelation 21.5, all things new. If that's a topic that interests you, maybe you need to be encouraged, uh, you can find those five sessions on our website at biblicalcounseling.com.